morning, church. How you feeling? Dry? It's good. Warm, warmer. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm a senior pastor here. Really glad that you all are here today. Discontentment. It often drives us. Think about it. The, the idea that something could be better. That the, the future could be better than today. Tomorrow could be better than today. It's what, what drives innovation. It's what drives creativity. It's what drives inventions. Uh, I think it's because of discontentment that we have the ability today to harness electricity and use it. Because someone decided one day that we need to harness that energy. We could use it for something. It's why we uh, are able to heat or cool our, our houses or our church or whatever building we have. It's because if somebody was discontent with how things were, it's why we went to the moon, that in the Cold War, uh, kind of played a part. Um, it's why uh, scientists this past week took a picture of a black hole. You imagine this, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's like a, it's the epitome of nothing. It's just like, we took a picture of darkness, took a picture, and they did it. Why? Because they wanted to, because... We are always trying to find what is out there. But discontentment can also uh, drive us to make purchases. <laughs> Marketers know this. It's called scarcity marketing. If, if you, you don't have this, and this is what I can offer you, and so then it's going to give you what you don't have. Uh, you, you could be happier if you have this. You could have a much fuller life if you had this. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, but I've been duped a time or two into that. Uh, in fact, it became an obsession. It became an obsession. Uh, it happened my third year of college, first year at Cincinnati Christian University. Didn't happen when uh, I was at University of St. Francis. Didn't happen when I was a computer science major at Manchester. It happened when I was in Bible college, where everyone was there to do ministry. And it started with a, a glance, and every now, again, now and again noticing. Uh, I, I was noticing everyone's MacBook Pros. The silver, wonderful pieces of equipment, that, that they told me how great they were, and, and them, you know, sitting there with their nice lit up Apple on the outside of their computer, and, and I got to the point where I just needed one of those. <laughs> I needed it. I, I couldn't afford it, but I, I needed it. I became a, a pro in MacBook Pros. <laughs> uh, I became an Apple fanboy before I ever had one. You know, they're much more secure than, than PCs. They're faster. Uh, they last longer, whatever it is. PC fans, I know you're mad at me. I get it. Uh, but, but I became an Apple fanboy. And here's the thing. Like, I eventually got one. I eventually got one. And, and I was really excited about it. And I've had two, in fact. And I've written some books on them. I, I've, I've uh, been able to put together a lot of videos and uh, even did some spoken word tracks. Uh, your pastor can rap a little bit. <laughs> I'm not sure you're ready for that yet, but eventually it'll happen. Uh, and, you know, I did all those things, and really, you know, it's a great tool. But guess what? It did not revolutionize my life. I could have done all that stuff on a different computer. It, it didn't really satisfy it all, because now I have one, I can really downplay my obsession about it, because I know that that still is not going to fully satisfy me. See, discontentment can often drive us to discouragement, too. 
Uh, it can drive us to discouragement and all kinds of things. Uh, ever since the fall, ever since our, our great, 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 and so on, grandfather and grandmother uh, sinned in the garden, we have been in a perpetual state of trying to find satisfaction in this world. And, and we are continually let down. Because it seems to me that nothing in this world offers us full satisfaction. It's only partial Things we, we enjoy things in life, right? We, we have things that we enjoy, and those are good things from God. They're gifts for us, but they are designed to hearken us to look at the one who can fully satisfy. But here's the thing. What if, what if all the best things in this world were never meant to fully satisfy us? But what if at the, at the same time, what if satisfaction really was possible? What if contentment was possible? Here's the thing about contentment. You know this to be true. I know it to be true. Contentment, it's weird. It's weird. You meet a content person, that's weird. But I'm convinced of another thing, normal ain't working. Normal ain't working. If you, if you have this, this, this just desire, this angst inside of you that, that I gotta have something better, I've gotta have something more, I gotta have this, I gotta have that, I've gotta, I, there, what, what is, is is not good enough, what is, is not good enough, I gotta, I just gotta keep going, I gotta keep going, something good happens, yeah, that's fine, I gotta go to the next thing, I don't know about you, but that's me, and so here I am. <laughs> you, ever, you ever have that angst, that, that just, I, I can't grasp it, there's something more out there, contentment is weird, but normally ain't working. And I think there is, it's possible to find contentment in whatever circumstance we might be in. Whether it's a good time, a bad time, whether it's kind of mediocre or whatever, we can find contentment in whatever circumstances. And so we are wrapping up this series in Philippians. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Uh, it's, it's good to dive into God's word. And uh, so if you have a smartphone, go ahead and jump on the YouVersion app. Uh, some of you asked me this. I do not get paid for those endorsements. I uh, should probably talk to them about this. You guys have even told me I should. So maybe you could put in a good word to them, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Philippians chapter four is where we'll be. And Paul is, is driving toward this idea. He's really been driving toward it the whole time we've been in this letter, that there is possible, it's possible to have joy even in the midst of, discour of a discouraging world that we live in. And, and I think he ends, he bookends this letter with the subject of contentment. And I think if we can grasp this, then that will change. It'll be a game changer in our lives. So Philippians chapter four, verse 10, this is what Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. There's a secret. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me still. You did well by partnering with me in my hardship. We'll stop there. You see, Paul is rejoicing in the Lord greatly because they renewed their concern for him in a tangible way. He knew that they were concerned about him. In fact, if you look at some other places in Scripture, 2 Corinthians talks about how the, the churches in Macedonia, and, and that's including the Philippians, uh, they, were, they, they had a lot of poverty, uh, they, they, they were having a hard time, and, and yet they continued as a pattern, 
continually supporting Paul and his mission. But he, he also wants to do something. He's not getting to the, to the gift that they gave him because they gave him a gift, and we'll get to that in a minute. But he wants them to understand, listen, what you gave me, I didn't need. I, I'm, I, I thank God, I rejoice in the Lord because you renewed your concern for me in a tangible way. You gave me a gift. You supplied my needs. But guess what? You're not the one who's supplying it. Uh, there is someone else. And I want you to know that I've, I've had moments where some, some translations say uh, I've been brought low and I've been on top of the world kind of thing. You ever been brought low? I have been brought low. It gives you perspective, right? It gives you perspective of what really is important. And he said, I, I've learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. So verse 11, let me, let me go back to this. Verse 11, I don't say this out of need for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. So, you know, go back when we, when we looked at this first week in, in the book of Acts, when the story of how the Philippian church was started and he interacted with some people, right? He started out with Lydia. There was this uh, group of Jewish women who were worshiping God together down by the river. Uh, they were not eating government cheese, but they were down by there. Some of you got that, okay. All right. Mark that one off. Don't use that again. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he meets Lydia, okay? This, this very well-off uh, woman who is, is very talented at what she does. She's very well-off, and she invites him over to her house to enjoy a meal. And so Paul is, is, is uh, preaching the gospel to her. And so he's saying, hey, my time with Lydia, this was a great day because she had a cook. Y'all, she had a cook and, and the, the meals that that cook made were like five-star restaurant kind of steaks. It was amazing. It was awesome. I was content. And everyone said, amen. But then I left because God had something else for me to go and do. So I left, I left that. So I can be content there, but then I left. And what did I do? Well, I, I was walking down the road and this slave girl was annoying me. And so I looked back and I realized that she was possessed by a demon. So I released her from the bondage. And then, and then the people who, who owned her as a slave got mad and I got beaten in the, in the streets, left bloodied. And then I was taken into prison, y'all. And, and, and I, was, I was praising God there, bloodied and bruised. I was praising him there. I wasn't like, Jesus, why, why, did, you, why did you take the wheel and take me here, you know? So he's praising God, and then, and then the, the walls fall down. The, 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 the person who was guarding them, the guard came to Jesus, and he's saying, hey, in whatever circumstance I'm in, I can be, I can be brought high, I can be have, living it up, and I can be brought low in, in prison. And in whatever circumstances I'm in, I, I can be content. And so that was Paul's experience. And right now he's in prison, he's in chains, he's in bondage again, and he's trying to encourage them. There's, it's possible to be content. Whether you're well-fed, whether you're hungry, whether you're, you live in abundance or whether you have need. He's saying you, you can experience that. He says, I'm content in a mansion or in a cell in whatever circumstances. Why? Because he says this in verse 11 to 13. He says, I don't say this out of need for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot and any and all circumstances. I've learned what the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul had to learn to be content. You know you can know something to be true and yet you haven't learned it yet? 
So uh, as it's getting warmer, which by the way, I love Bluffton when the sun's out and like it's not just snowing all the time. Love it. It's great. Like I see people outside and stuff. It's wonderful. I'm like, yes, this is, this is good. This is a good thing. Uh, and so as it's getting warm, uh, I've been, you know, assessing my yard because, you know, it was just seeded this fall and it's a little bit muddy. It's a little rough. Okay. And so I, I met with a, a guy from the Outdoor Concepts. You probably know him, Steve. Uh, and, and he was like, you've got to fertilize your lawn. I, he was like intense about it. I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I got 200, 200 pounds of fertilizer in my garage right now. I was going to do it today. It ain't happening. You know, it's a little, little messy out there. Uh, but, but then, you know, like we've got a, a mulch bed. It's got nothing in it but mulch, right? Like that's, that's the plan anyway. Like eventually I want to make it look nice. Sarah and I were talking about this. We've, I've got, a, I've got like 0.7 acres of land, not a lot of scape, you know, landscape. Get it? <laughs> it's a knee slapper. <laughs> it makes no sense, but you get it. It's all that matters. Uh, so, so I've been, you know, looking at that and walking through it and, and saying, okay, I got, I got the fertilizer thing. I got the spreader thing. And then, but then I looked at my mulch bed and we want to make it look pretty, you know, and I've not planted anything. It's just mulch. But then I noticed something. It's growing something. <laughs> Y'all know what's growing. It's growing weeds. And my, my yard is filling up with weeds. It's brand new. I haven't put any weed seeds in there. You know, they haven't done that. And yet it continues to show up. Charles Spurgeon, he pointed out this, that discontentment is as natural to man's heart as weeds are to the soil. It's not like you needed to teach your kids how to be discontent, right? Like, they, like that came preloaded, you know? <laughs> it was like installed. <laughs> you didn't have to download that app, right? So Paul said he had to learn what it meant to be content. He had to learn. Like it, it, it's going to take me some work to get my grass looking good. Uh, it's going to take me some work to get the mulch bed without weeds and having something good looking in it, right? It takes some work. You might know that Jesus is better, but you may not have learned that. And Paul's saying, I had to learn this. I had to learn that contentment is possible. Not only is discontentment available in abundance, not only does it grow without any attention, but it also chokes up anything good, anything positive, anything godly. So Paul's saying, I learned to be content. He had to learn that truth, one truth, two ways. He had to learn it intellectually just for us to know it, for him to know it. But he also had to take that beyond the laboratory. Too many of us, like we, we have our faith, right? And we are in the laboratory. It's good in the lab. It's fine. But we haven't taken it out and tested it when, when the world crashes in on it, when it squeezes. Paul, Paul experienced what it was like to get his faith out of the laboratory because, you know, a lot of us know a lot of true things and, and we're products of the enlightenment where, you know, asserts that if you know a lot of stuff, you're good. Like, as long as you know a lot of stuff, a lot of good things, you'll be fine. Uh, you, you just got read, read your Bible a ton and, and that's it and it'll all be good. But, but how many of us know that it's not just in reading God's word, but it's having God meet you in that and him changing you from the inside out and then us getting together, right? Scripture talks about all these one another's, love one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, spur one another on to good works. That's when our faith starts to get out of the lab and we have to test it. And we learn what it's like to love one another. 
And so Paul's saying he, he, he did that. Paul, he, he knows what it's like to be in abundance or in need. It doesn't matter. He's good. He's content. Why? Because he has Jesus. Uh, he, he, he's willing to leave it all. What he thought his life was gonna look like, what he thought he was gonna do, what his dreams were, what his aspirations were, he left it. Earlier in Philippians, you remember, he said, I consider all that as nothing, as worthless. As some translations say dung, which is the more accurate translation. I, I considered it that in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So like that was his mission, that was his goal, that was what he desired and his faith came out of the lab. And he said, I've learned the secret of contentment. What's that secret? I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. All things. I'm able to be content in all situations. I'm able to do all things. I'm able to choose Christ every time. How? Philippians 4.13. You take that out of context, right? You put it on a, put it on a coffee mug, put it on a shirt. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I was thinking, like, God, what do you think? NBA? Hooping. Probably not going to happen, right? I'm, I'm five foot ten, and I'm lying. I'm five foot nine, probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's closer to five foot ten. It ain't there. You know, I ain't, ain't going to the NBA. It ain't happening. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's in the context of contentment. Isn't that interesting? Maybe a little less inspiring. I can be content. What do you wake up and do? Like, uh, take, the, take the hill you know, for Jesus. I'm going to be content. Content. But that's what he wants for us. Because <laughs> in Christ who strengthens me, through Christ who strengthens me, Paul, Paul he, he realizes something that, that we can grasp is, is change everything. He's, Jesus said he's the bread of life. You know, Paul, Paul knew what it was like for the Israelites. He heard the, the stories of how his people were wandering in the wilderness and God started to provide them manna from heaven every single day. They had all their, all their food met be, because of the hand of God. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, uh, I am the bread of life. I, I will su supply you what you need. I will strengthen you and I will satisfy you. The Israelites got sick of the manna. You will not sick, get sick of Jesus he is renewing every day. He's the light of the world. When we're in dark circumstances, he says, I'm the light of the world. When you are dealing with some kind of difficulty, you can go to Jesus and he'll shine light in the midst of that and get you uh, on the track of, the, of seeing what's really happening, that he's working, that he's going somewhere. He's light in dark places. He says, I am the gate. I'm the gate. So, so, so many times we are on the wrong side of the gate. We haven't walked through the gate, the gate of salvation, the gate of wholeness, the gate of satisfaction. And he's saying, walk through the gate, I'm here. I'm welcoming you. I'm welcoming you into my kingdom. He's the good shepherd, right? He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one who will never leave you. I, I, will, I will take you by still waters. I will make you lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need God. God, he'll, he'll, he'll be like, Brandon, stop. Pick me up as my feet are still moving and lay me down. Anybody else there? You try to do too much stuff. You try to control too much stuff. You try to think that it's all gonna happen because you're gonna do it. No, he's make you lay down in green pasture. Sit down and lay down and go to sleep. Like, you know, your kid's getting his kids down to nap. He's like, please just go to sleep. <laughs> That's how I'm doing it. He's like, just sit down. You're like, okay, okay. He takes me through the valley of the shadow of death. He's with me. In the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table before them for me to enjoy. He's, he's the good shepherd. 
Jesus. He's the resurrection and the life. Friends, I know discontentment can, can get us every single day, but here's the thing. This is not our home. This is not our home. The struggles we have here, our citizenship is not here. Our struggles, they, this world is not your home. There is something else being prepared for us to go and enjoy through Jesus. He's preparing a place for us. He is the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I'm, I'm gonna bring you to a place of satisfaction, to a place of joy, to a place of fulfillment, a place of goodness. And, and every molecule, every cell, every little piece of us, every fingernail, every piece of our body, every blood vein, every part of this world, every, every slither of grass, every, every cloud, every sun in the sky, every star in the universe, that is all being held together by his power, by his hand. Your, your struggles are not too great for him. He, he holds life together. And, and even though we will die eventually, he holds the keys to life so that when we die, we do not stay dead. We enter into life abundant. That's, that's a good thing. It's a good news. He's the way, the truth, the life. I mean, I don't know about you, but like when, when you're thinking, God, why are you taking me down this path? Why are you taking me down this way? He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's saying, I got a better plan in mind. Your dreams are not big enough. Your, your desires are not good enough. I have something different in mind. Keep walking, keep following. He's the vine. He's the vine. When you feel you don't have strength to go on, are you connected to the vine? When you feel like you don't know where you're going, are you abiding in Jesus? Because when we abide in him, he tells us that we will abound with him. Too many of us, we try to do things for God without staying with God. We try to do work for God without being an overflow of being with him. He's saying, you gotta be with me. Your, your, your purpose is to be with me and out of that will flow fruit. And he goes on in verse 15, he says, and you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full and I, I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, the guy they sent to him, what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you, if you go and look at the S&P 500, you go and look at some mutual funds that you wanna put your money in to have a good return. If you go and look at all the stocks and the history of how they've been performing and, and you, you take all that into account, when, when you compare that to the investment that you make when you invest in the kingdom of God, it's not even close. If God's church was on the S&P 500, it'd be off the charts. Why? Because we have a mission that spans eternity. People's lives have been being changed for 2,000 years and so he said, I, listen, I don't need your gift. I don't need your money, okay? But something different happens when you give. It, it produces a profit increasing to your account. That's, that's pretty good. Why? Because this is something beyond the here and now. The kingdom of God has some good profit. It's got some good profit margin. It's been working 2,000 years, a good track record. 
And so he's saying, hey, when you invest in the work that is being done, it's a good thing. It's like he's saying, is a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice. Uh, any essential oil fans? Essential oils? Yeah, like it's like diffusing that, that amazing mix that you put together. It's, it's infusing that and it's going up to the throne room of heaven. Yankee candle peeps. Uh, it's like taking a bunch of candles, uh, the best scented candles, right? The, 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 the bacon scented candle. Amen. Men, where you at? Preach. Yep. Yeah. The, the, the leather scented candle. Yep. The coffee scented candle. Mm hmm. It's about to erupt in here. <laughs> it's like bringing that. You know, God likes the bacon scented candle. I don't even know that's a thing. It should be if it's not. Somebody work on that. Uh, I think it is. It probably is. But here's the thing, God's got you, and that's what he wanted them to know. Uh, you are giving to me, and I want you to know that he will supply all your needs. When Sarah and I started tithing, it really taught us something. It taught us that we're not in charge. We're not in charge of what we've got. It's not ours. He's in charge. When we started giving a tenth of our income, like, hey, God, that's intense, you know? Like, I didn't know I was supposed to live off 90%. That's, that's intense. I didn't, I didn't take that into account when I was negotiating my salary. You know? But when we started tithing, it was, it was a game changer for us because we had a tight budget. It was just her and me. You know? We didn't even have kids yet, but, but we still had a tight budget. And, and then we started doing that, and God started doing something in us that we would never have experienced had we not started doing that. It taught us contentment with what we have. I recently talked to someone who started tithing and the joy in her eyes was just amazing. It's encouraging to see someone who's taken a step of faith like that. Verse 20 says this. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Here's what I want you to walk away with today, okay? We glorify God best when we are content in Christ most. We glorify God best when we are content in Christ most. When your contentment stops and starts with him, then you're on to something. God, you can have my bank account. You can have my balance sheet. It doesn't matter. You can have whatever it is that I've got. All my assets, you can have it all. I don't know. It's whatever. I'm content in you. I don't need to have any more of that. I've got everything I need because Jesus, I've got you, and I know that you will supply all my needs. That's what it looks like. I'm being content in Christ most, and when we do that, we glorify God best. Christ, you're better. Like whatever you have a moment where you're thinking like something else is gonna offer you some kind of satisfaction that you've never experienced before, you have to just understand that Christ is better. Christ is better. Christ is better. That can be our anthem. That can be our, 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 our cheer. That can be our song on repeat. He's just gotta be that. Christ, you're better. When we're feeling incomplete, when we're feeling like we lack something, Christ is better. When we're thinking that our life doesn't measure up because of something that we don't have or someone we don't have, when we're stuck in a rut and discouraged, when we're on top of the mountain, when we're walking through the valley, it doesn't matter. Christ is better. Nothing you will interact with in this life, in this world, will ever be better than him. Christ, you're better. My home is with you. Let me, let me be content in you. How many of you know something? You, you can know something and you can learn something. They're not one and the same. So we can know that Christ is better. We can know the truth of that statement. But some of us still have to learn it. 
It was four years since I had talked to my mom. She changed her number, changed any way I had, any way of contacting her, I could not do it. And I had been in counseling for a year. And it was four years of depression, four years of discouragement, four years of sadness, four years of thinking like, if anyone's going to love you, wouldn't it be her? Wouldn't it be her? As you wrestle with the feeling of being unloved, of being abandoned. And I got to a point, I don't know if you ever had to be here, like in this place. I, I pray you don't, but sometimes God's got to bring us low before we can see the light. I got to a point where I had been going to the counselor and I'd been trying to trying all kinds of things. I would try to reach out and it would make things worse. It would just, I, I was trying to do it on my own. And I finally got to a point where I said, God, I'm going to do one last thing. I'm going I'm to make one more try, one more moment. I'm going to try. I'm going to just do one thing. And God, here's, here's where I'm at. I, 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 was, I was here. I was legitimately here. It took a, lot, a long time for me to be here. I said, God, if I never talk to her again, ever, I'm okay. Because I've got you. I've got you. And, and because I have you, I don't need anyone else. I need people. Don't get me wrong, but the bondage, the chains that were holding me, that were being broken, because I had finally got to a point where I was content in Christ most. It was in that moment that I just gave it all to God. I don't know if you're holding on to something, some kind of pain, some kind of discouragement, some kind of thing that you just, you think is going to be the answer. You think if you could just have that. If this could just improve, if whatever it is, if, you, if you're at that place where you just, ah, God, this is what I need. No, no, that's not what you need, friend. You need him. You need him. And I finally got to a point where I said, God, you've got it. Please, just, it's up to you. And God did an amazing work. And today things are different. They're not perfect. And not anywhere close to what they used to be, but they're better than what they were. And, you know, the thing is, God doesn't ever promise us that things are always going to work out in this side of heaven. He doesn't. He will work all things for good for those who are called by his purposes, who love him. But that doesn't always mean that it's going to happen today or tomorrow. You might have to get on the other side of eternity before you can experience that. But my, my, my story is a good ending but the thing is, it got to that point where Jesus was sufficient above anything else. And I have to relearn that. It's not just like a moment where you've got it all figured out after that. But this contentment piece, it's a game changer when we can get it. Because church, we glorify God best when we are content in Christ most. Because when we are content in him, that means he's first place in our lives. First place. So Paul discovered the secret of being content in whatever circumstances. He said he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the peace? Can you imagine the weight that was lifted off his shoulders when he decided, Jesus, you're enough. I don't need to carry this anymore. I don't need to carry this anymore. You know, things going great and content 
in the struggle. I'm content on the mountaintop. I'm content in the valley. I'm content. Paul wanted them to know what he knew. He wants us to know what he knew, that Christ can give us contentment even in chains. Even in chains. That's where Paul was. So if if you're always feeling angst, if you're always feeling like there's something more out there, always feeling like, feeling cynical, no matter how great things get or how terrible things become, friends, contentment is weird, but normal ain't working. I'm done with that. You get to that place and say, Jesus, it's you or it's nothing because without you, I have nothing. Can you imagine being content in whatever circumstances you face. When you brought low, when you've been brought low and, you, and Jesus met you there, you know you can get through whatever because he'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He will, you can fear no evil because he's with you. He, he's, you've got God on your side. No matter what you go through, he's with you. He'll walk with you. He'll talk to you. So two things. One, two very practical things. Uh, first thing is that generosity is a great teacher. It just is. I know that you don't like when the pastor talks about money. Sorry, Jesus did. Because it's, it's a pathway to our heart. It's a pathway for us to experience the, the, the change that Jesus brings. That, that I'm not in charge. What I have is not mine. And so if you, if you don't tithe the 10% of, of your income, that's fine. Like, just maybe start somewhere. Like, start anywhere. 1%, 3%, whatever, whatever it is. Just... Do that because here's what will happen. God will work out this in your, in your heart, in your mind. And you're saying, hey, I'm enough. I'm enough. And he's gonna teach you something you would never learn otherwise. And the other thing is just simply this. Like when it comes down to it, Christ has gotta do it. He, he's gotta be the one to do it. We can't man- manufacture this contentment in our heart and our soul. It's like getting to a point where like Jesus, like I, I know I know that you're better. I know that you're better. I have not learned that you're better. So please invade every crevice of my being. A lot of us, like we have, we have that the, the space below the, the surface of the water. It's the iceberg. It's the 90% that we, that we oftentimes don't visit. It's that space where, where it's, it's a few layers down beneath the onion, right? The ogre kind of thing, you know, it's layers. And, and you, have to, you have to peel back that and, and let the Holy Spirit deal with that because a lot of us, we have baggage that we've been walking around with and we have not yet let go and given it to God so he can redeem it and use it and take you to a place you never thought you could be because we've not let him he said, I want to go to every nook and cranny of your soul. I want to go to every depth of being that you are. I want to go to every space. And I want it like a flood, like a monsoon. I want my grace to cover you. I want my grace to invade you. I want you to be whole again. I want you to be with me. I want you to come to a place where you look at this world and what it has to offer and you realize one thing, that it will never compare to me. It will never compare to me. No matter how great the marketing is, no matter how much discontentment you have, you can find contentment in him and him alone, but you've, we've got to open up and say, God, search my heart, because he'll do it. Search my heart. Show me where I am still holding on tightly. We have to surrender to our king in every area of life. Maybe there's a space that you're aware of. Maybe there's a, a place where, where God's got to go even deeper to, than, than what you're conscious of in your own heart. And I pray that, that, that you'll let him because he wants to. 
Philippians, Paul ends it with this. He says this, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. You're a saint. You're a sinner, but you're a saint. He's labeled you Saint Brandon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But that's what he says. That's what he says we are. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The gospel is going to the palace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray, Lord.